All right, December 1, 2023, Christmas right around the corner. That does not mean that you check your common sense after Black Friday. It doesn't mean you check your common sense going into the holiday spending or the family chaos or Christmas vacation, the movie, um, which seems to be completely without common sense. But here we are, commonsenseohioshow.com, coming at you weekly with your dose of what? Common sense. We are brought to you by Harper Plus Accounting, where you not only can get your tax returns done, you know, that that part is understood, but we're talking about the real stuff where uh, where the real magic is made is when you're planning for your taxes. So when you show up on April 15th to H&R Block with all your uh, folder full of documents, much like Norm at the table here with his paper chase, <laughs> and they tell you, you owe thousands and thousands of dollars you will be shocked. But not at Harper Plus. They tell you, they help you, they plan with you so you know what to expect, not only on April 15th, but at every other major tax deadline, you're going to know what you should pay for your quarterly estimates, whether you should even do your quarterly estimates, whether you should do them monthly or quarterly or both, whether you should set back money in advance so the government doesn't get it too long, or whether you should pay it up front so the government doesn't have it too short. They know what to do. They know how to help. Harper Plus Accounting, my account, it could be yours. So they are sponsoring Common Sense Ohio. And by the way, if you want to help also sponsor Common Sense Ohio. Check us out, commonsenseohioshow.com. Send us a note, and we can showcase your business, too. You know, I, I love Harper Plus, but there's room for more, and, you know, we have segments that can well, be sponsored. Well, you give us a bigger coffee mug. I mean, I've got this one with an H, but it, it could be bigger. It could be bigger. And, you know, like a big thing you get at um, the gas stations that are, you know. The big gulp. The big gulp, and yeah. just right plopping right in front of us. Yeah, exactly. there you go. Yeah. So uh, what is Common Sense Ohio? Just briefly, we are coming at you right from the middle of Ohio uh, talking about all sorts of issues, political, factual, legal sometimes, maybe just fun, and putting a little common sense spin on it because, let's face it, folks, common sense is lacking everywhere these days. Uh, so uh, it, with that, Norm, actually, you know, let's do the World War II fact of mm-hmm. the day. For those who have been following, we've got uh, this day in World War II. And just so everybody understands why I do this, because back when I was um, back in the 90s, any, when, when they used to have things called newspapers, <laughs> We actually had two in Columbus. One was the Citizens Journal, and the other was the Columbus Dispatch. That's right. And there was even a free one, like like a downtowner yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's still around. But the other paper is still comes around. The other paper. That's um, but the old CJ would come out at five o'clock, I think, on uh, in the evening, and the Columbus Dispatch would come. That would be the morning paper. But you know, they, in this day in history, or this day in World War II, every single day is what uh, the Dispatch ran, and I. Hmm. You know, I just started reading it. So I thought that'd be interesting if we do that here. So a hat tip to the dispatch. Um, it used to be a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know. uh, sorry. So, sorry, staff. But yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. So, now you line your litter box with it because it's not a newspaper. I don't know what it is. Now. That's right. Well, that's why people are subscribing in droves to our yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should. Absolutely. Right. Um but the most important World War II fact of the day in December 1, 1942, of the list of ration items to the U.S., the things that you were that we were rationing, mm-hmm. coffee, which, you know. Wow. So it, it, I, I think what they're saying is coffee joins the list of rationed items in the U.S., meaning there was less of it to go around, so people had to tighten their coffee belts a little bit. Um, or maybe they mean that the soldiers were getting more of it, which would be great because. That was probably it. We don't grow coffee here. We don't, right. So yeah. wherever that was coming from, you're talking about well, we broken, were broken lines of shipment well, and because yeah. of the war. So Mer- Merchant men were yeah. getting sunk regularly off the Atlantic doing that transit from South mm-hmm. America to North America 
because they would be silhouetted against the lights of the cities on the eastern seaboard. Yeah. And the Germans were just, they they were sinking freighter after freighter, yeah. Yeah. full of oil, coffee, you name it. So I can understand yeah. why it got, uh, you know. And that probably was when the turn of instant coffee came into play. Yeah, it might be. I think it was. It is. Or as the Germans I, called it, ersatz coffee. Yeah. You know, fake coffee. Right. I, yeah. th- I think that is because of that. Uh, yeah. it, was a, it was the manipulation of it being instant. You use less of it. You know, Steve, yeah. the other yeah. big thing that was happening December 1, 42, was uh, Hitler was ready to lose the Sixth Army in Stalingrad. They, they were basically, yeah. they had like three weeks to go. Yeah, he attacked late fall, meaning that they had to invade the coldest place on the planet at that time. And then he cut his own army off. And then he cut his own army off. And he said, fight to the last man. I expect you all to die. And and what's interesting, Mm. there's there's a couple other things we'll talk about this day in World War II. But uh, following up on what you're saying... He didn't supply his soldiers with the kind of cold weather gear that they needed, and he was. It was more important for them to have like the boots that clicked on the concrete and sounded really cool. But th- there was steel in those, and that caused their feet to freeze. And you know, there's lots of other oh, yeah. little stupid mistakes that the mm-hmm. Germans, which is ironic because they were so good at so many things. But like a couple of these little decisions that Hitler made that turned out to be enormous catastrophes for them. And it's not like he didn't have history to guide him. So I saw the recent um, uh, Napoleon movie. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Napoleon marched 460. He marched 460 men to Moscow. He came back with 40,000. Yeah, I mean, why would anybody think that it would that uh, it wouldn't fail in 1942? Yeah, and the same thing. Right? Same thing. Right. It was it was lack of winter provisions and clothing. And it and, was exactly the same thing. And fighting in an environment and terrain that I think is. Uh, underestimate well clearly underestimated every time but can you imagine like it gets bitter bitter. i mean we're talking like cold 18 below like yeah like freezing like you're outside you die you never warm up right yeah you just don't the soviet soldiers had felt boots over boots made of felt and you know they 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 were well aware the siberians you know were well aware they'd survived that environment for a thousand years or however long Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it was uh a huge folly. Another big folly of Hitler is stopping at the English Channel and letting. Uh, oh yeah, right. and, and letting Britain escape. Dunkirk, Dun- yes. or Dunkirk. Sorry, yeah. And, yeah. No, no, you had it. Dunkirk. I just I couldn't come up with the name Dunkirk. But yeah, yeah. And there's really no great explanation for that. I think the, no. people surmise that Hitler thought he could make peace with uh, Churchill at some point, um, or Britain at some point, right? And uh, never did. I mean, just a couple of weird things like that. We're probably speaking German. He wasn't thinking like Hamas, like, you know, okay, wipe most of them out, but take a bunch prisoner, well, these and were then soldiers. you've got leverage. Yeah, these were soldiers. They, yeah. they could have bagged the entire Britain, British it, Army. Exactly. Yeah, or they, at least a good chunk of it. Right, and just held them in prison and basically negotiate with Churchill to, you want your guys back or not? Right, yeah. 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 Right, right. Yeah. But and he, then listening to um, um, Goering about the Air Force being able to conquer Britain. Right. Right. Uh, in the in the air and, right. and didn't obviously fail. They will never Lost bomb the Berlin. Mm. If they do bomb Berlin, you can call me Meyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. also in um, if you guys find yourself in Volgograd, which is the new name for Stalingrad, there is one hell of a World War II museum there. Oh, is there? Really? Oh, yeah. So I've been there hmm. on my charity rally uh, through Russia. 
um, which a lot of stories about that, mm. which we don't need to get into today, but some really interesting stuff okay. culturally about how Russia works versus the United States. It's mm. just a lot there. Hmm. We could um, do a whole show. We probably could. Oh. And then, uh, so also on December 1st, probably more important to the, the United States and, and what we're doing here is that the Jap- the Japanese fixed the date of December 7th. So wow. they decided that uh, in six days from now, wow. they would attack Pearl Harbor. Wow. Um, changed their codes, did a bunch of stuff yeah. that, that basically blinded us to uh, what they were doing. And um, and then the day that lived in infamy was next Thursday. I mean, mm-hmm. other than the Trojan horse, right? Pearl Harbor is probably the most spectacular surprise attack in world history. It's uh, it's unbelievable what they pulled off. Well, you know? the Twin Towers. Frank's Twin Towers, I mean, another can, one. That was that yeah, was that was Twin a Towers. That was the modern Pearl Harbor. Yeah, well, Twin that, Towers, yeah. and then uh, the Hamas attacking Israel recently. That True, was fairly, crazy. True, that came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe it's not a surprise attack, but what we pulled off uh, in D Day was pretty significant too. Yes. Um, but right. Pretty uh, right. all, all interesting tidbits of history, but uh, I guess it's probably time to move on to the yeah. real purpose of Common Sense Ohio. What do you got today? Well, so everybody knows uh, Steve Palmer is a renowned defense attorney renowned. here in Ohio, in Ohio, and I think this particular bill that's moving through the Ohio General Assembly, it's uh, House Bill 161. It has passed the House, and now the House uh, sponsors are are doing their testimony to the Senate to get the Senate to uh, 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 pass this. There was only one vote against this bill, and it was a Republican from Xenia. But what is the bill? The bill ends spousal immunity to rape charges even when there is no violence, even when there is no threat uh, or coercion. Uh, And I am seeing... (laughs) I am seeing a lot of, now now I get it, right? Men should not ever rape anybody, right? Including their wives. So yes, and that, that is an existing Ohio law. Existing Ohio law outlaws violent rape against your spouse already. Yeah, forcible rape. Forcible rape. But what this bill will do will take away the general immunity to such charges inside of a marriage. And dude, I don't want to be the contra guy that everybody says, oh, Norm's pro-rape. No, I'm not. But I see enormous problems with this, mm. especially in divorce court is where I see, I see, I see potential for abuse of, of, of very unhappy wives and maybe a few husbands, you know, I don't know how, sure. it, but accu- well, it happens the other way around okay, too. accusing, oh, yeah. accusing, uh, somebody of rape in order to gain an advantage in domestic relations. Yeah. Court. That's one of those uh, pieces of legislation that they've got to think it out. Yeah. The it next sounds step, the next good. step, the next step, the next step. It, what can happen? So Steve has brought up a lot of times. About. Yeah. Go Steve. Wow. So the current rape statute is codified in Ohio revised code section 2907.02. Um, in section A1, no person shall engage in sexual conduct. Now, sexual conduct in Ohio means sex, as penetrative sex of, of okay. not just vaginal, but also oral or anal. Um, sexual conduct with another who is not the spouse of the offender or who is the spouse of the offender, but is living separate and apart from the offender when any of the following applies. So you can't commit rape if you're the spouse. When, But it, it, you, you, 
here's what here's what they're talking about. For the purpose of preventing resistance, the offender substantially impaired the other person's judgment or control by administering any drug, intoxicant, or controlled substance to the person surreptitiously or by force or threat of force. So, um, in other words, if your spouse is drunk and you engage in a little hanky panky, there, that's not. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, the other person is less than 13 years of age. Whether or not the offender knows the age of the person. So, if you're married and uh, to somebody under 13, I guess. And the other person's ability to resist or consent is substantially impaired because of a mental or physical condition or because of advanced age where the offender knows or has reasonable cause to believe the other person's ability to resist or consent is substantially impaired because of a mental or physical condition or because of advanced age. All right, so okay. none of this says that if you're the spouse, you're allowed to have forcible, no. non-consensual sex. It's already illegal. At that, that section two covers that. No person shall engage in sexual conduct with another when the offender purposely compels the other person to submit by force or threat of force. All right, so that's forcible rape. That's what most people think about rape. You you cannot do that to your spouse. That's right. Because co- that covers marriage. That covers, right there. yeah, that's everybody. That's everybody. Now, okay. what they exempt from marriage is like if you're asleep or if you're drunk. That's right. And, you know. Have a few glasses of wine. The husband takes advantage. He thinks maybe she's okay with it. Maybe she's sure. awake. Maybe she's not. But it's not just the husband. Women do this too. Sure. Correct. Right? Right. Correct. So if you're the guy and your lady's been out on a girl's night out and takes the Uber home and right. you know has had way too many uh, apple teenies right. and climbs aboard, you know, that theoretically now would be rape. Yeah. I'll just let that linger out there. That's rape, ladies. Yeah. And you could be prosecuted and thrown in prison for 10 years, 11 years, actually, up to 11 years. You would be placed on a sex offender registry and all sorts of horrible things would come. But I think I, now, is that likely to happen? I think not. But I think your concern, Norm, is exactly what everybody what I would be thinking. It's like, imagine the abuse of this oh, in domestic relations. Come court. on, man. It's going to be off yeah. the hook. So why introduce this when you have that already on the books? That's is, my question. This has been politically incorrect for years. It, Everybody's okay. like, I can't believe that you can't rape your spouse. Well, you can. You just can't do it this way. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. um, so, you know, it's, there's probably I'd like to see how artfully it's written because I could see where, they're trying to clarify a bit more, maybe drilling like, down yeah, a little bit. You more. can't I, w- I would be all in favor of a law that says you can't intentionally drug your spouse in order to have your way with them. Or right. Her. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So you can, there's probably an artful way to write this that that satisfy that satisfies everybody's concern. And maybe that's what they've done. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what it says. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Wow. Um, Another bill that's moving through the General Assembly, which uh, I don't think it goes far enough, but it's a step in the right direction, is a property tax relief bill, House Bill 187. And this is to cause county auditors to, when they set your, when they do their valuation on your property, to use a three-year average rather than what is happening for us in Lincoln County and over in Madison County and other counties where they're building huge new gigantic mega you know industry uh and all of a sudden you know the 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 little widower in her you know the the widow in her house um her her hundred thousand dollar farmlet goes from a hundred thousand to being valued at a million and now her tax bill is several times higher than it what it used to be, and basically her social security and her savings can't cover it, and she's out the door. So what they're trying to do is, rather than shock her with a one-year gigantic leap in valuation, uh, have to average it against three years. 
personally, I don't think it goes far enough. I think basically if you live in one of these uh, areas before the project comes in, I don't think it should affect your real estate taxes uh, until the house is sold until and then and then it kicks in. Ties into it. totally that's I right totally yeah. agree it should be grandfathered yes. because you're yes. having people in very low yeah. income rural areas all of a sudden have well, to no deal harm. that's yeah. not what they're saying there look what look what biden said you know there was nothing going there was on nothing in johnstown ohio right? exactly. nothing was there nobody nothing was there, there. we're right. just gonna come. so what <sighs> you've really done is take nothing and put all these people you know by by they're gentrifying uh, the place, honestly. They're constructively evicting people. That's Maybe right. That's right. Yeah, that is that's the best way. So we're going to raise your property rates or property values so high so quickly that there's no way you can afford it because you're on a fixed income. And by the way, Biden, you screwed up the inflation so much that your fixed income now is worth about 30% less than it was two, year, two or three years ago anyway. So now right. we're going to add taxes <laughs> to the equation. And uh, it's going to kill people, but it looks yeah. good. It sounds I'm, good. It, it will literally good. kill people because when you take a, a, an 85 year old widow out of her house and say, okay, uh, you can't afford to be here, mom, uh, you're going to go to a nursing home. A lot of them check out. A lot of them right. just die, right. you know, because th- it's a shock to their system because they wanted yeah. to die in that. They home. wanted to live out their life. Exactly. In the, in the old farmstead. Yeah. Now I have talked to some of these real estate uh, guys that, um, and these are private investors and what they'll do, you know, and it sounds like it, to me, it sounds like a vulture circling, but what they'll do and make themselves feel like a, you know, they're, they're coming to the rescue of these old ladies is they will uh, give them a life tenancy on the property. So they'll buy the property. Yeah. They'll pay her back bill. They'll say, you get to live here for the rest of your life or until you decide to move. And they'll buy the pr- right. basically it's a glorified frank, reverse they, mortgage. That's, that's what right. it is. Well, that's what it is. And, yeah. and what they've done is basically destroy generational wealth. That's right. Yes. Yeah, what they've done is destroy generational yes. wealth. Yes. So, so it's uh, I wow. don't know where it's going to end up. It's it's in its infancy. But House Bill One Eighty Seven maybe some relief. Uh, the other bit of Ohio mm-hmm. news I have, guys, and this is just kind of a seasonal thing. There's always one of these auto, auto shops or body shops that that suddenly blow up this time of year. And it's, and it's because a lot of times what they do. I didn't know that was a traditional thing. Oh, it is. It is. So the season to blow up your auto I know, shop. It so, like- in, so in Hills, Hillsborough, Ohio, uh, this week, uh, three guys died in this I'm huge, sorry. I'm laughing no, at somebody no, no. dying. I don't it, mean that. It happens every year. And it, it, it is almost like the indoor uh, kerosene thing, okay, you okay. know, that catch on fire in, 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 in the Near East Side or, or whatever down in Cincinnati, the over the Rhine, people supplementing their yeah, heat right, with right, those right. stupid electric things yeah. or a kerosene thing. And then, you know, everybody dies from asphyxiation or, you know, whatever, carbon monoxide. So what happens in these body shops is they use these chemicals, right? They get down low on the pavement mm-hmm. in the, inside the shop, and then they have an open flame. They're either doing some welding. Yeah, settling or, torch or something. Or yeah. something, or they've got a, um, a hot water heater that's gas-fired. Mm-hmm. And and they forget right oh. that 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 they're working with explosive solvents, boom. And because all the garage doors are being closed, that's because right. Of colder because weather. it's cold. Gotcha. Exactly. Speaking gotcha. of explosive Jeez. situations, mm. has anybody at this table or in this studio parked in the back in space number twelve? No, <laughs> no what I have not. <laughs> well, there's a. I think we have a we have a uh, trespass parker. Oh, today? Yeah, right now. 
So I just want to make sure that nobody in our show <laughs> no, is getting towed. I'm no, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, right. I'm elsewhere. That's no. not me. <laughs> no, fair yeah. enough. Well, I've got, I got some, some Ohio focus. Oh, too. go, man! And I, and and go. all three of us will relate to this because we felt the pain of having to take these tests and seeing our kids take these tests. That the ACT and SAT test requirements are going away slowly. Yeah. I love it. I, I thought. That is such a money grab and serves no purpose. I don't know what to think of it. I'm a little, I'm torn on standardized tests. I, I think it could be a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole thing. And I like that universities are looking at it holistically, that what else are they doing beyond that? Because, Here's well, and when I walked into it, hearing this from both my kids, that ACT and SAT, they going into it, they said, you will have to take this test two or three times. Right, and it's terrible. That's a red fucking flag. Well, and it, you it, have it, to take this test three listen, times, and it's a four-hour ordeal. I get it. It is terrifying. The only thing is about it, Brett, is when you have a disparate incoming collegiate class that you're considering for admission. Say you're, say you're the admissions officer yeah. at the, you know, Cleveland State, and you've got you've got all of these applications. What standard? Do you have to judge across all of them the whole spectrum of application? You figure it out. It's your. It's. You, so you, I'm serious, that's that's the job. That's any job. Well, any corporation that hires people. I, I'm with you, but this is the problem. You know, to replace to be replaced with what would be the question I would exactly ask rhetorically. Right. And here's what's going to happen. I I I don't know this to be true or for sure, but I've got a hunch that standardized testing came into being because of a fear of adverse or disparate impact on races, on sure. genders. Probably so. Probably so. Exactly. Sure. All right. So yeah. you want to eliminate racism. We're going to make it all standardized. Well, then what happens is they said, well, certain races and certain genders and certain ethnic oranges perform worse on standardized tests than others. So that became a problem. And now we're back to the same problem that we started with, which right. is yeah. now we're going to have to ask people to actually do their job, to screen candidates, to determine whether despite a GPA or a grade point average that might be a little bit less, somebody has other qualifications that make them yeah. a great uh, candidate for college. They were a huge volunteer you know, in their community. They did uh, lots right. of other things. And I I'd love right. that big I love or that big picture. Maybe daddy or grandfather gave enough money to name a stadium after him so they can let him in for that reason. Right. right. That's gonna all happen. That's be, gonna happen outside of ACT. Those may be and legitimate ACT, reasons. Yeah. All those might be legitimate yeah. Now my dad used to run the at one point, he I just had breakfast with him last week. It was his birthday, 90th. And he said when he was on the college at, or the uh, law school admissions committee, he looked for people with no more than like a three point who had played small college athletics or maybe even big college athletics, um, men and women both. They, they didn't care. Um, and I would guess it's probably more guys because more guys were playing to law school back in those days anyway. But uh, and, and the idea was, look, these people are obviously hard workers. They're committed. They've, they've, uh, they've got lots of stuff going on in their lives. They've been classic, maybe underachievers, but they've got huge potential because they had enough wherewithal yeah. to show up at college athletics for four years in a situation where they weren't getting paid to do it. And by getting paid, I mean no scholarships. Right. And, you know, and it's no secret that that was also his background. You know, he went to Oberlin and played Division three athletics. But he, I but went he, to but, college but with But he has knowledge about athletics. it. Right. But he has knowledge of it, though. And it was yeah. right. All the guys I went yeah. to college with, we all, we all were like solid threes or two eights or two mm -hmm. nines. But everybody I know that I went to, that I played football with, is very successful now. You know, they, they we figured out, we, we had lots of, I don't, I don't know what it was, you know, but we, we were all done quite well. Well, not afraid to work hard. Maybe right. and, work and, 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 yeah. and that's More why, well, I mean, we've had a, a rash a of, of veteran uh, people come in here as guests mm -hmm. of this show. And a lot of them are not 
college graduates, right. but they're successful in life because they're not afraid to put in the work. To right. put in the work, right. or they, they think a little bit differently. Now, about your standardized mm-hmm. test, Brett, I am terrible. My ACT I was score going to go there too. A they're, solid twenty three. Listen, a, guys, they're, they're, I, I get all people that. People that do terrible the on tests. The people too. this is going to screw are the people that this that to not have a standardized test of some kind is going to screw the people that want to come in, come in to a university and be judged on their merit. Well, meaning meaning their scholastic merit, and so we just had a big lawsuit found in favor of the Chinese and the Indian students at Harvard and Yale. Uh Big decision. Supreme Court smacked the universities down and said, no, you can't use race. You've got to use some kind of standard. And and now we're not going to have that. Well, so I would think that there's probably a middle ground. There's probably a middle ground where you can rely on standardized testing, but it it, it had become the end-all, be-all because we went through this phase where the only thing that mattered was your standardized test because then nobody had to do their job. Nobody had to say, well, you know, I'm going to pick this person, even though this person didn't do so well because right. of X, Y, Z. Right. And they were afraid maybe of getting uh, labeled a racist or labeled whatever right. or being accused of nepotism. So they were just, it, it became, all right, so the policy is we we start with test scores. And right. if you don't have a certain test score, you don't get in. And then everything else went out the window. Now that's gone too far. But I think it's probably a, a, a measure too far to get rid of the testing altogether. There's probably a better better way to do it. And I, and I believe it's a lessening of focus on that. Yeah. It's a holistic look at it because, I mean, I know. But both, if they're ending it, Brett, then there isn't going well, to be. I, I, I don't mean, think they it, just it's end. not going to end. It, no. it, well, first of all, it's never going to end because AT, ACT and SAT, it's way too much of a moneymaker. Right, they the will, the, they the will stay in there. I think a lot of, and I think it's more of a holistic look. Okay, take the test, but we're not going to focus on that completely. It's a holistic look. Well, what did you do with your fair, grades? That's Which, a fair assessment. I think it is too. But I, I thought the news item was they're going to eliminate. No, that. no, it's 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 less of a focus. It's a less of a focus. Schools, I may have I may have led that way, and I didn't mean certain to. Certain schools are doing just that, though. Certain yeah, they schools are. are are completely eliminating the requirement for right. an ACT right. or SAT in order to gain admission via because of COVID. And that, that's how that started. And let's talk yeah. about some adverse consequences of that decision. So, yeah. if you if like for for me particular. Um, if I were out of my high school trying to apply to a school um, like Harvard or Yale, and I'm talking back when they were real schools. Yeah, um, right. I'm not saying they're not now, but they're not the same now. They're not no, the, right. no, so, they're not no, the but, same. But, you know, no. I don't think I, – I think it would have been doing me a great disservice to stick me in a group of, of, uh, of individuals who had different preparatory uh, background than I did. Sure. You know, I went to Big Wall High School. I loved the place. I learned a lot there. Yeah, um, great schools. But some of my – some of my colleagues at the College of Worcester clearly had an advantage over me. It was an yeah, obvious advantage right. mathematically. Sure. And maybe I could have taken advantage of more math when I was at high school. Sure. And it's, it's not that it wasn't there. It's that it wasn't incentivized for me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you could blame my parents or you could blame the school right. or you could blame all sorts of things. But I wasn't, I wasn't as qualified as others there. And I wonder what would have happened if I'd have been thrown into an environment where I, I'd probably have been blown away. I had to drop out of math as it was, and there's other reasons for that. But, you know, it's like – uh, you, you maybe not be doing people a service by sticking them when they're unqualified with other people who are more qualified. Right. And look, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I've never been the smartest guy in the room. I totally it, it, and freely admit that now. Yes. Um, I may not have been able to do that when I was 17 or 18 to know that I didn't belong in certain academic environments because I couldn't excel there. Right. And that, right. that may not be a real popular opinion, but it sort of makes sense to me. No, no, it, it does. No, I think yeah. it's actually very mature not to think that you're the smartest person in the room. 
when you know the kind of people that I'm talking about where they just think that they've got it and and you can't even discuss anything with them right. because they know right. everything. Well, yeah. those are know-it-alls, but I'm talking like people who truly have it. You know, yeah, like gifted people, gifted people. Mm-hmm. Right. right. There's got to be a pl- like I can't compete in that world academic. You know, I compete in that world. I can compete in all sorts of other worlds that they don't hold a candle to me. Right. Right. So they couldn't play Division three football. I could. Right. Um, but that, gifted people often make very big mistakes because they don't mean they have an advantage because they don't prep. A lot of them in don't life. prep. They, they yeah. oh, I got this. I know that case. It's very tunnel vision, okay. tunnel vision. And then you yeah. pop into court and you've got something hot off the press like, oh, court well, just. Well, it's not even prep, but maybe I can come into court and I've got a better communication yeah, skills. Right. But I couldn't do, mm-hmm. the, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I couldn't get an A or pay, get a uh, 100% on my LSAT law school admittance exam. Now, and I've, I've always thought the, the person who is most impressive to me is the person who can play in both worlds. So I've got a very close yeah. friend. He was a, he's a Mensa guy. He's a genius. Um, he was a football player. Um, he w- was a whiz at math. He was a whiz at anything he ever did sort of academically, yeah. but he spoke both languages. So he wasn't just a relegated guy who yeah, could only do that in a corner of a cub- cubicle right. in like a computer programming house. Yeah. A, fr- um, a Fran Tarkenton, you know, a guy yeah. like that, Roger Staubach, you know, guys that are gifted across a spectrum. Yes. The all rounder, but, yeah. but mm-hmm. like elevated all around, yeah. like most of the all rounders mm-hmm. you like in my, my vision is like, all right, you're pretty good at a lot of stuff, but you're not great at anything. Yeah. Um, he was great at almost everything. You know, it's Kenny, like, Kenny Anderson got a law degree. You know, yeah. and yeah. Bengals quarterback Chris Collinsworth got a law degree. Yeah, I don't, mean, don't 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 ascribe law degree to any intellect. <laughs> oh no, I don't. <laughs> At the table, <laughs> I know. Two uh, we have two of us, and well, but one, it's a dedication to doing it, though. One of us, any, is a any degree, is a dedication <laughs> to doing it. Well, what's interesting is this: my you know. LSAT score, my this is the law school admittance exam. Yeah, was I was in the solid. 50th percentile, maybe 53rd percentile, mm-hmm. which is extremely low for the LSAT. That's right. That gets you into mm-hmm. like the lowest tier schools. Or only, doesn't get you or in. Or doesn't get you in yeah, at all. At all. Um, and then when I got to law school, I decided that I was going to read. If they said read it, I read it. Mm-hmm. And not only that, if they said read it, I read it. And if I didn't understand what I was reading, I looked it up mm-hmm. and I read it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for like the first semester or two or maybe two and a, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I got all A's. And it, so, like, it, it, at least in my case, you put in the work. The law school admittance exam reflected nothing on my ability to and, be a lawyer. And, and your example or, right there goes to yeah. this, right? Yeah, you, you know, if you're not calling, you know, pulling in the 28, 29s or whatever the but top number in. is for ACTs, you, you, you still did it. But I got in, yeah, to a lower tier law school, or standard wise, and. Um, I, I excelled there. Now, I don't know what, and law school is one of those places that's always on a curve. At least it was when I was hmm. there. So, you know, my grade is irrelevant unless it's compared to yours. Okay. That's right. It, it really. Yeah, that's was, true. May I that's ask, true. how was your GPA? Was it pretty, pretty good? In law school? No, your GPA from college applying to law school. It's like a rounded up three point. Okay. So maybe like a two nine ish. Gotcha. That I would have. So you were a B plus student. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but ultimately, my dad says it, that my dad, the former. Judge, yeah. Yeah. He used to always say the B plus, the B student lawyers, best lawyers. I was just going to say that all the time. There is a place for that type of lawyer mm-hmm. in our society. We need the Steve Palmers well, of the world. Dad said, "Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah if you right. know what I mean." They were the best lawyers. Right. He, he didn't. He he said the A plus lawyers. 
just not as good. Well, just not as good. Look, and and it's going to sound sort of condescending. I don't mean it that way. I've always said my law practice in in my life, I can hire the eggheads. Um, and I mean that with respect. I mean, I can sure. hire the people that yeah. are better, that are smarter than I am in a certain place right. to do what I need to have done. Right. But a lot of times they can't do what I no. do, which is decide what needs to be done. Right. Um, and that executive function. Right. It's a different level. Yes. Of, it's not one that's better than other. It's just different. It's different. Yeah. And that's why like the, the eggheads don't run corporations. No. Generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're pigeonholed and they're great at what they do. And it's a singular focus, like the mm-hmm. engineers who put people on the moon. You know, it's like they, we need that. And that's that, right. I can't do it. Yeah. Right. I cannot do it. But they also can't do what I do. And my dad also said of lawyers, Norm, um, go to law school because when you get done, one, it's a great education. It teaches you how to think in life mm-hmm. and how to find out answers in life, which is true. You, you, that's why I went to true. law school. Yeah. I was going to be a journalist. I never yeah. was going to be a lawyer. But you learn how to think and solve problems. That's right. It creates a yeah. framework that you can operate in for your life. Right. Uh, and then the other thing he always said is that I can d- I can do almost what everybody else can do as a lawyer. So I can I can be I can do accounting. I can do uh, MBA type stuff. I can do all this other stuff. But they can't do what I do almost by definition because you have to pass the bar exam and and, and mm-hmm. have a, a credential. Now with accounting that's sort of the same. But he always meant that we can we can learn to do what other people do because of our education. That's right. But the other side it's not reversed. Now some of that I don't think is true. But some of it is. You know there's some there's a little bit of truth in what mm-hmm. he used to say. But, yeah. And now it costs too much so don't go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the cost of law school should be going down because frankly you could do it online. I don't understand where oh, really? you even need to go. Yeah, to I a, disagree with that. Okay, that's cool. But I like, disagree with that. I think if you're going to learn how to be a lawyer, I still believe. Well, if you're going to learn to be a lawyer, see, I went to law school not to learn to be a lawyer. Well, look, you did. I went you for all the to, other reasons. You learned to think like a lawyer, and to learn, in order to think like a lawyer, you've got to be subjected to the Socratic me- method of teaching. Right. And I don't think that online, even Zoom, would no, duplicate I, that. I get that. Mm. I get you've that. You've got to be called on in class and right. terrified. Sure. And right. and only then. Are you broken down to the lowest common denominator? I get it. Other than moot moot court, however, there is no – I mean, if you could do a Zoom meeting where the Socratic method could engender the same kind of terror that you're talking about for an unprepared law school student, then I'm with you. But probably it can't. You probably can't. It, it, yeah. Because that's, the same. You that, can that's it. social pressure when you've got 35 of your classmates enveloping you and you're the target. And he goes, well, Mr. Murdoch, tell us about Jones v. Smith. You know, uh, explicate the case and, and give us both sides. And you haven't read the damn thing. <laughs> right. it's, it's your ass. It's your, it's ass. your ass. And that teaches you something. That teaches you something, right? right. Yeah. And if you haven't read it and you've been skimming it, Per, while the class is going on, right. it teaches you how to do that. That's right. And I mean that with sincerity. It's not just that you're not prepared. It's how to get prepared really quickly when yeah. you're not prepared. It's how right. to wing it when you need to be, when and, you have to wing it. And that's well, life. Well, that's life. That's and, life. and in those Problem cases, solving. I bounce back to the professor. Well, you assign pages 155 to 195, and that case isn't between those two page numbers. Well, is that is that what you think uh, legal education is all about, Mr. Murdoch? So it's that kind of colloquy back and right. forth you learn how to argue. that totally destroys your preconceptions of fairness mm-hmm. and, and preparedness and, uh, you know, uh, how to get through life, right? Mm-hmm. That you're going to be subjected to all kinds of ridiculous. It's terrorizing. That's terrorizing. Terrorizing. Right. terrorizing. <laughs> right. And they want to eliminate that in law schools, and it's a shame. 
Mm. It's a shame because <laughs> look, we're, we're caught. It's give everybody a trophy, make them all feel warm and fuzzy right. and give them a little law degree at the end. Right. And it's terrorizing. Yeah. The other thing is interesting is that I think what you were going to say is it really has nothing to do with being a lawyer. So when I get, you know, <laughs> I, I was, I was woefully underprepared by law school. Now I was prepared because I worked for a small law firm as a clerk, as a clerk, right. I was otherwise woefully underprepared to run a business and, and actually make a living being a lawyer. Right. Um, you know, I, I could read cases. Oh, the secretaries at my law firm were way more hip to what's going on than I was. Yeah. I mean, they would say, well, go to the second floor, room 206, mm-hmm. ask for a bill. Yeah, they knew the people. And, then, yeah. and you're like, holy shit, why That's don't you, you practice law? You know more than my, <laughs> you know, the partners here at the firm. You know exactly who to go to and what form. I'll type it up for you, Norm. Get on your motorcycle, run down yeah. to the courthouse and file this son of a bitch. And you're like, okay, Mary. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you do want it. to write the brief too? <laughs> I learned more from the old school legal secretaries than I than I did anywhere else exactly. on how to run a law practice. Yeah, right. Every, I, I, to this day, every oh. dollar I make, thirty three cents goes into a savings account. To this day, I've started yeah. my practice that way. Yeah. Day one, the first dollar, that's what I did, and I still do it. And that way, I've never have a problem with taxes. And that's because an old school legal secretary told me that when I first hung my shingle in nineteen ninety five. No, they were they are fantastic. Hmm. And I'm sure every executive assistant listening to this is going to ask their boss for a raise tomorrow. <laughs> hey, I do that. Common Sense Ohio says I need a raise. He's like, oh boy. <laughs> well, a couple of big things. Uh, our uh, congressman here from Central Ohio, Jim Jordan, as you know, is is chairman of the Weaponization of Government uh, uh, Committee, and he brought on uh, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger this week, and these are two lefty journalists. And both of them are ringing the alarm bell once again about the Twitter files and now new files from something called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, made up of over 100 different governments around the world and NGOs. And this was started in 2018 in response to Brexit in the UK and in response, frankly, to President Trump, who was halfway through his term at that point. And what what this so a, a whistleblower came forward, disgorged all this information, and what the CTIL, the Cyber Threat Intel League, um, has has promulgated is a coordination of what sorts of threads on social networks and on traditional uh, networks should be allowed to exist. Um, and uh, we're talking about everything from COVID to you know, uh, robots to, to, uh, AI, whatever the subject is, the narrative is now being coordinated across the globe by this organization and, um, pretty scary stuff vis-a-vis our first amendment rights, because then what do they do? They go to social media and this is the part that's come out. They go to social media like Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. And, and Google, and they, and they ask for certain outcomes on accounts. So, for example, what came out in the questioning with Dan Goldman, a Democrat congressman on the committee, he asked Schellenberger and, and Taibbi, well, if you take 100% of these requests made by the CTIL to squelch or edit out or censor uh, these people, they only did it 35% of the time. 
And so these journalists, now these are great. Now these are lefties, right? But even they get it. I mean, they are leading the charge. They said, well, then using that logic, so do we have 35% of our constitutional rights? Like if I have a three-story house, do I have to uh, allow soldiers to be quartered in the first story, mm. but the second and third story I get to keep? I mean, what it, what kind of mindset would say that 35% of excluding people's expressions online is conforming to the to the First Amendment? Yeah. This, this is it's bizarre. I mean, like anybody who read nineteen eighty, we read 1984, right? And right. It was mandatory reading. And they right. had like these ministries. And one of them was the Ministry of Truth, where the government, some organization, got to determine what the truth was and what and, and basically censor everything else out. Yeah. And that's what this is. That's I mean, what this is. That's what this is. I, I, you know, I kind of wonder if people read, have read, will read 1984, and they go, that's a great idea. We should do that versus what the world could become. Well, Mr. You, know, Go- you almost feel that no, way. Brett, don't you? you're, you're right on top. Mr. Man, Go- it's like, this is the game no, plan. Let's dude, do this. Dude, you're right on it. Uh, My so God. Goldman called that 35%. He said, well, that's reasonable. They didn't, they didn't censor 100%. They only censored about a third. And these guys are looking back at him like, dude. Dude. So like the Ten Commandments, you would say like uh, the government could the take. The first uh, three, let's the, wipe out. <laughs> <laughs> or the first three Bill of Rights, or yeah. the first three. Like, it's, only, it's only a third of them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, only, only, a th- it's only a third. Well, you like still got 66% left. What kind of mentality? And when's the last time the government stopped at a third? Never. Like 10%. Once you start giving it, right. they, they keep grabbing the rope until it's gone. Well, let's wow. do the Second Amendment like this. We'll take every third weapon away from you. Yeah. This is my classic argument. I always hear this all the time. You brought up Second Amendment. Mm. And it, I was, it, it's perfect segue because I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking what you were getting at is everybody always says, you know, we can, it's not like when they're arguing about Second Amendment, everybody always argues, well, it's not like we don't also censor speech. And, you know, there's all sorts of restrictions on freedom of speech, like in schools and this and that and the other. You can't do those things. No hate speech, blah, 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 blah. And then they use that as a justification to take away Second Amendment rights. Uh, And I'm like, listen, I don't agree with the First Amendment rights being taken away. Right. And so now it's like it's already bad. So you're going to make it you're going to use the bad precedent to create more bad precedent. Right. Right. That's what happens. You get accustomed to this deprivation of freedom and then they take more. And then you get accustomed to that, and then they take more. This is incrementalism, and incrementally, it is gone. It won't take long before it's gone. So right now, it's a third, and they're going to say, well, that's okay, and next time, it'll only be 40%. That was only 40%. Let's experiment with 40. 40, It worked. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. It's not like they took all of it, and pretty soon, it'll be 70% or 80%. And you know that's what they do. Yeah. And why is that? Because that's what happens when you give people power. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And I think anything that calls themselves a league... You got to watch. A league is like a, naming a, a law after somebody. Ex- right? A league. Give me a league. break. You know? It, you know what it is? It's taking like these individuals with political self-interest <laughs> and then creating a league out of them as if somehow that sanitizes. Like it's for right. everybody instead of just their individual <laughs> So this, this Schellenberger guy you guys might remember, he is the wild man. Uh, I shouldn't call him. He, I mean, you know, he's he's actually a very reasonable guy. But he's the guy that took on Gavin Newsom. Uh, he, he ran in the Democrat primary for governor. And he was like the only competition Newsom had. Uh, he is also the the author who has exposed a lot of the uh, fake environmental greeniness mm-hmm. stuff. The stuff that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like we're creating more pollution 
to uh, do all this electrification than if you just let things happen with market forces. Yeah. Let, yeah. let people make their own choices. So Schellenberger is a great example of, if you will, the classic kind of liberal. Right. He, he would be a guest at the table. He it, would fit right in here. He would fit right in. a little in. bit of dose of common sense to his viewpoints on life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I urge people to Google uh, or DuckDuckGo, uh, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. Uh, these guys, I mean, Matt Taibbi used to write for Rolling Stone, and now he's persona non grata mm-hmm. there. And he's a guy that came out with all this Twitter right. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. Right. You know, and, and he's just saying, hey, these are the facts. I looked at, uh, you know, everybody sees these sort of shorts or reels or videos on, on social media where guys go around college campus and asking kids questions. Yeah, yeah Steve yeah. Crowder. And yeah, Crowder that, does it, but there's a bunch of other people yeah. that do it. And I don't know who was doing this. I just happened to see one where they were going around and talking to students and asking them, when's the last time a conservative ever uh, prevented a liberal from speaking? And it was about that quiet. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was wow. What a so question. it's like, you know, you bring a conservative speaker on campus and then the liberals go crazy or the, 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 the people there. go crazy and have protests and do it. Right. They, they try to reverse it. Like when's the last time a, a conservative group prevented a, or tried to prevent a liberal speaker from sending out or uh, portraying their message or purveying their message. Mm-hmm. And nobody had any example. No. Ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And people were scratching their head. It was sort of yeah. like a. Oh, that's interesting. I even stopped for a second. I was like, that's an interesting way to yeah. look at it. It is. It is, uh, de- definitely. And in this vein, uh, this week in the January 6th Trump trial, um, it has come out. So there have been secret subpoenas. And this subpoena was issued. I think it's a 14-page subpoena. And about eight pages of it have been redacted. But the parts that are not redacted for the public uh, indicate that Jack Smith has requested Twitter, demanded, subpoenaed of Twitter, and there's like a $350,000 per day violation uh, uh, penalty until they comply. They want, he wants Twitter to disgorge out of the 80 plus million followers of Trump, every single Twitter account who has ever retweeted, liked, followed, unfollowed, muted, or blocked Donald Trump. I mean, wow. wow, really? Wow. That's the spectrum. I mean, it's that's, just, the, that's the complete spectrum. Then. It's just unbelievable. What do you do with that information? And I don't know. It's it's unbelievable to me. It's almost like he just is trying to punish Musk for owning Twitter. That's because if he's going from unfollow all the way to retweet, that's the spectrum. That's yeah. the whole spectrum. Anybody who that's involved, it. he wants to know anybody who was involved in Trump's Twitter account, including, of course, all his direct messaging and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's just government. I, I did this research not that long ago for somebody, and it was in the context of a, a gun manufacturer uh, investigation. And, and the, the DEA has been sending out, or Department of Justice has been sending out subpoenas. And they've been sending out the subpoenas to, like, small gun makers. And they say, we This want- is not the ATF? This is the DEA? I said DEA. I, I, mis- I misspoke. The ATF and Department of Justice, yeah. they're sending out investigatory subpoenas, mm. grand jury subpoenas, okay. for information about gun parts and to whom they're being sold, how much they paid, and, wow. and identities of people buying them. Wow. And they're going to these private manufacturers. So, you know, there, there's an old saw in my head that is like, you know, if they want to subpoena you, they, like their, their subpoena power has no limit. And my research basically confirmed that. The government's subpoena power, the federal government's subpoena power for a grand jury subpoena investigation is virtually limitless. 
and they can they can just do it because you know companies will hire me like look our customers are going to be saying this is crazy why are you giving out this information to the government because look I, I, if i buy a gun part i don't want the government knowing i did that and it, i don't even know why i don't want the government a, knowing a gun, i just don't a gun part most gun parts until you have a certain number of components like uppers or receivers it's, it's or not whatever. a firearm it's not regulated well it can be a firearm if it's stamped it, that this that's is what right gets crazy. That, yeah, yeah certain mm-hmm. assemblies a hunk of metal can become a gun even though it doesn't do anything but let's suppose i just want to buy a replacement front sight let, let's take something like a front sight, yeah. uh, j- just a little piece of metal with a tip, They're right? They're subpoenaing that kind of stuff. That is, see, and it's yeah. not a firearm. Like ATF should have no interest in who is but buying the government is investigating sites. this stuff, yeah. and they're sending hmm. out subpoenas. And they're, they're, I don't know what the purpose is, but there's, you know, this is the stuff that goes on sure. that, that people don't connect the dots. And, you know, I've always said there, there's a way to connect the dots to form a conspiracy theory. And there's a way to connect the dots that is just like government chaos. And it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. And, you know, and, and all of it is based upon this deprivation of information. Like, we don't know what's going on. And they're not telling us what's going on. That comes yeah. back to this free speech component to it. Like, so, so what a lot of these tinfoil hat guys are doing, and they're probably actually probably smart to do it. And maybe I'm dumb. But I still will buy ammunition or parts or whatever to fix my guns or whatever. Uh, online, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people tell me th- they will not buy a gun or any parts or any ammunition from anybody other than a fellow citizen. Mm-hmm. They will not go to a store. They won't go to a gun show. Mm-hmm. They will not order online. They don't want any documentation. Yeah. Get off, stay off the grid. Basically. They don't want any documentation. I, I, how can you blame them? So you I like to it? stay off the yeah. grid. And there is a group of people out there because of that would say that I must be doing something wrong. Like That's I, right. Like they somehow would, I'm not participating. They would in jump to that yeah. conclusion. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just and when I'm when people ask me why, it's like just because. I don't See, and the they call that doing. they call that what what private I'm sales. Extreme. Well, that's called the gun show loophole. Yeah. Right. Is when yeah. a private individual, you know, in his garage sells a gun to his neighbor. Yeah. It's just like, I'm done turkey shooting. I'm not going to hunt anymore. Here, you want the, this shotgun? You want this shotgun? Bucks, it's yours. Exactly, right. Yep. And they want to make that illegal. Yeah. And I've, I've purchased guns that way. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's the only way I've heard that a lot of people are buying anymore. They how, will, do, how do you know they that, will that, not that go to a store? when you buy a gun that way, that that gun was not used in of a nefarious way? Oh, I you don't. have no idea. Okay. I don't. No. Okay. I don't. And, and, but the reverse is the true, though, as well. Well, no, if you bought it from a dealer, you would know that it's a clean gun. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. No. I was just curious. I've never done that before to know. Not necessarily. So if I, if I say, have you ever I thought about murder, that? Have you ever said I commit that? a murder with a pistol and I later go and sell that pistol mm-hmm. to a gun shop, a pawn shop, and then you come along later and you buy it from the pawn shop, right. well, that gun's in the books. Right. It's, it's registered in the books. They call it booked. You know, it's in there. Mm-hmm. It's been formed to or whatever it would be. And and now they're now they know where the gun, they can trace where the gun sure. went. And uh you don't know that that gun was used in a homicide. Now it may come up later that it was. They may they may somehow track it back to you. And it's how much actually, of a ringer are you in? If none. you have none okay. Oh no, okay. it's perfectly okay. I mean, okay. I mean uh, right. they know how much of an anal probe you're gonna right. go through uh, because you own the gun. Right. Well, they let, may take it from you. Let me okay. give you let me okay. give you an example. I'm just curious. It, there's nothing wrong uh legally. Mm-hmm. with owning a gun that was used in a okay. commission of a crime. Example, Jack Ruby's family got his revolver back from the city of Dallas, and they auctioned it off. The very revolver he used to kill Oswald. Yep. Okay? okay. That's you, can, you can own right. a gun okay. that killed somebody. Okay. Yeah, and I've got guns 
you know, I've, I, 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 who knows, you know, yeah. that were my did, family inheritance type things. I sure. don't know what the heck. I own military guns that are from World War II. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm sure they were used for all sure. kinds of horrible things. Sure. But, sure. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know where they can't, where the necessary history of all those guns. And I don't know what the government's interested in those guns are. And I don't, I don't really mm-hmm. care. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's, it's like, a thing. I'm not going to do anything bad with those guns. It's like right. owning a shovel to me. Yeah. That shovel could be could have been used to bury you know, a body. By the way, I mean, exactly. <laughs> by the way, I it's just a tool. Yeah. My properly purchased 350 Legend rifle, which is a, a now a deer gun in Ohio. It's a straight wall cartridge rifle. Uh-huh. I bought it from Vance's. Okay. I go up into a tree stand. Okay. On Tuesday night, Tuesday evening. Okay. And one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my life walks right behind me. And I've got an awesome vortex scope on that gun, and it was it was still within shooting light, but it was you know the the end of the light. Yeah, and I can see him as bright as day because I've got a great scope, and I pull the trigger and it goes click. Oh, <laughs> for God's sake, what happened? I have no idea. Oh wow. no! Def- oh no! Idea. Defective right from out of the box. No, because the week before, my son during youth week shot a deer with it, so okay. I don't know. Yeah. Oh no! Wow. I, this oh, no. has nothing to do with Common Sense Ohio. It's just my own frustration. Yeah, uh, I have uh, no idea. That's a shame. Why that went click? And then I, I tried to re, I tried to um, <laughs> cycle around. Uh, but he <laughs> heard he heard that. Yeah, by then he was yeah. gone. Bing. And then two things happened. He he left. The buck left, and I lost the round that went click. So I couldn't even look to see if it had a print of a firing pin. Yeah, it's it's in the woods somewhere. Wow. Just oh the craziest, craziest yeah. scenario I've ever involved in. Anyway, so off, off to the but, races. But, but as a nature lover, you got to see the biggest. It was one of the best hunts I've had. You know? Because it was so awesome. at least I remember my now deceased uncle talking about that, that sometimes it's what it's that give and take of just going out to see or to kill. Yeah. Enjoy, well, enjoy, the, enjoy just seeing. It's a thrill, it's just a seeing, yeah. For those of us who have seen The Deer Hunter, the movie with Robert, Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. yeah. the scene where he decides – so he's Vietnam vet. He's on a deer hunt, and he does up in the mountains. He's in Pennsylvania. It's gorgeous, and he he looks at this massive racked uh, male deer and a buck, and he just nah, I'm not going to shoot it. Yeah, and he just he takes his gun down and just watches it, and just there's, yeah, there's, there's something to that. That was Steve's moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've yeah. done that. Now, yeah. I mean, yeah. not, not with a massive buck like that, but I've I've sat and I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to watch. Yeah, it's too majestic. Just, I'm going to watch. Yeah. It's just like yeah. I'm not taking that down. Yeah. You know, I took down enough NVA over there in NAM, I guess. Is <laughs> anyway, I guess to relate that to Ohio, oh, it is yeah. the, uh, this is uh, the week of uh, gun season. So the Orange Army is out in the woods, <laughs> and uh, it ends, the first week any, anyway, ends on Saturday or Sunday, and it picks up an extended gun season two weeks later. And, and please, uh, hunters, be respectful of uh, landowners that don't want you on their property. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, Please don't follow the rules. I follow won't, the rules. I won't even go in the woods until season's over. I, I will not go in. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. I will not go in wearing a Rudolph, uh, you know, <laughs> with lights flashing and an orange jacket. Yeah. I want nothing to do with being. I'll go back. in the woods, but I know, you know, I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm doing and where I'm going. And who's see, not pretty good's not yeah. good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've shot farmers off of tractors, yeah. like I said in previous they shows, have. out That's, in Licking yeah, County, yeah. and I'm, I'm like, they have. I'm where, done. Where I'm hunting, it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to run into anybody. That's good. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, I it, one of my favorite topics that makes me just incredibly angry uh, is this uh, hate crime enhancement thing that we have in our society now. 
So you've heard about this Vermont shooting where some guy who recently moved from, I think, Buffalo, New York, moved to Vermont, and they can't figure out why he did it, but he shot three young men of Palestinian extraction in his community where he he just got his apartment. And um, there's no history of hate uh, against Palestinians on his social media. They, so rather than just prosecuting him for assault and battery or whatever, attempted murder, they all three survive so far. Okay. Um, the, the, the big focus by the media is, you know, the hate aspect, right? You know, did he hate? Did he not hate? If he did hate, why did he hate? All this. And I relate that back to the old story. Well, now it's only a few months old, but it's now it's ancient history. The trans uh, female, the bio female in Nashville that went in and shot those children and the, the teacher and the principal and the uh, maintenance uh, man there at the uh, Nashville uh, Christian School. Her hate manifesto has been suppressed, right? It has not been released. There mm-hmm. was a small leak. And some people in the police department got fired for leaking one or two pages of it. But the whole manifesto is being suppressed until the court does a victim. The victims of the dead people in the Christian school need to tell the court that it's okay to release her manifesto, right? But it's like, well, wait a minute. When the Unabomber... You know, or anybody else that has a manifesto, Look, if it, if it, were it gets a, published if it were immediately. A, if it were a, uh, a racist white supremacist, it would be all over the media. It'd be all over the media. Right. New that, York that, Times would right. have the whole— I'm not saying it should be, but it would be. It would right. be. Yeah. Right. So hate these hate crimes to me are so just logically uh, inconsistent. It's flawed. It's because a whole flawed our philosophy. The criminal system basically goes back to the common law. And the common law said in order to commit a, the traditional type of crime, we'll call them uh, like Malum and say things that are bad just because they're bad. Yeah. Um, requires basically two things. You have to have an act or a failure to act when you should act. So they call that an actus reus in Latin. Yeah. And then you have to have a thought, a, a, a mental intent. They call that mens rea, the mental thing. So, like, uh, so certain crimes require specific intent. I act like on this rape. You acted with the purpose to compel somebody by force or threat of force. That is the mens rea element of that crime. The act then would be actually having the sexual conduct or contact with the person, depending on the type of crime. So sexual conduct conduct is the act, and the purpose is the intent. Mm -hmm. Usually those crimes, and not only usually, those crimes are inevitably higher up in the hierarchy of the criminal offenses in the Ohio Revised Code and everywhere else I've practiced. So those kind of crimes already reflect more severe punishment already yeah or already have attached to them more severe punishment yeah you don't need a greater enhancement now this sort of begs the question or not begs that's a demands the question how do you prove intent well the the jury instructions on that would typically be like look you can't look into the eye or the minds of others but you can imply or infer intent rather from the certain acts or behaviors of the person committing the act you know so if, if somebody prepared for it for instance if somebody went through great went to great lengths to uh, uh, to tie somebody up and then commit the, like then, then well they pretty much did that on purpose right mm-hmm. so you can you can infer one from the other and that's okay the problem with these kind of things these hate crimes is that they don't really define how you uh, how do they prove the extra hate element is it because the person once said a racist thing so therefore this must be racist is it because um, 
you know, what would you do beyond the typical ordinary mens rea requirement to prove it? Right. You can't look into somebody's mind, so how do you do it? And then, then you would sort of flippantly say, isn't every crime tied to some degree of hate? And how are you going to define hate? Exactly. With a racial animus? That's ins- it's absurd. So what it's they're going to do is imply racism just because w- the victim happens to be the different race of the perpetrator. It, it's and insane. That's not... I, that that doesn't logically connect. That's a non sequitur because you can commit a, a crime without racial animus on somebody who is a different race. It it, it just uh, it's dumb. Yeah, it's political theater. They never proved any racial element between Chauvin and George Floyd, for example. Correct. You know, I mean, mm. he, he did what he did with his knee on his neck and it was in the manual of the Minneapolis Police Department that you could restrain a person using your knee on their neck. He did it for too long. He's, you know, he he was unwise to do that, et cetera. We can go into all of that. All sorts of bad police work going on there. Yeah, Yeah. but there was no proof whatsoever that Chauvin hated black people. None. I mean, none. It never came up. This is when I've told this story before. I've texted some of my friends at the time this was going on. He said, did you see this? And I was like, yeah, I wonder if the guy, I wonder if it's race related. And my, my buddy said, of course, I don't even need to know that. I yeah, know that's, right. that's obvious. It's like white cop, black guy. It's not so had obvious. To be, had to be. It's not right. so obvious. It's not so obvious at, um, at all. And if it were, and you know, I've always said, if it were, then the proof will come out and they can prove it and they can treat them accordingly. And, you know, you can also reflect those things, those things, those kind of consequent or those kinds of, um, can't think today, those kinds of circumstances can also be accounted for in the sentence. So, like Ohio's Ohio Revised Code Criminal Code, if you commit a felony of the first degree, which rape would be, it carries a, a maximum po- or a range of punishment from three to 11 years. And it's mandatory. Rape is a mandatory sentence. If you commit rape, you're doing at least three years. So then the judge gets to pick three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, or 11. And then a lot of times there's other crimes that go along with it, like kidnapping or unlawful restraint or assault or who knows. So then there's another decision whether those offenses can be run wild as in the game or run concurrently. In other words, you're doing 10 on the rape and then plus you're going to do 10 on kidnapping for a total of 20 years on one act. Um, That gives a huge broad range of discretion to the sentencing judge. Yeah. And you know, if the judge wants to say, look, this was done, uh, there's evidence here that this was done with all the wrong animus, like for the worst possible reasons, they can bake into their sentence um, a number that accounts for that. Yeah, sure enough. Without a special hate crime. Yeah, like Charlie Manson was trying to start a race war and and uh, make it appear as if the Black Panthers had committed those murders at Sharon Tate's house, right. right? He was trying to start a race war between whites and blacks. Now, he's white, right? But he wants he wants the races to fight each other. And in sentencing, I'm sure that was taken into sure. account. And yeah. there is a sentencing provision in the Ohio Revised Code that basically tells the judges, the sentencing judges, what they're supposed to look at. And without going into too much detail with it, one of the things is, is this worse than the normal type of offense that creates the, or the normal conduct that results in this crime? Or is it uh, lesser than the yeah. normal? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. so they account for it. Yeah. Like, is this the worst form of this crime or something less than the worst form of the crime? I just wish we'd get off of this. I wish that the Supreme Court would just say, look. It's all theater. Yeah. You, 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 the, this, these hate motive enhancements just need to go. I mean, they, they just need it's to stupid. go. If, if, if I'm murdered by a guy that hates me because of my ethnicity versus a guy that just wants to break into my house and steal my shit, I'm still dead either way. Well, I, I, I don't but, understand but the, but why the, it matters if he because, hated me or he did Because the me. latter is not a new story. 
That's yeah. right. It doesn't. It's look not as good. It a news story. As good. It exactly. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. Not. Yeah. It's not. All right. Well, yeah. we're, we're sort of per- reaching per- the end. Personally, uh, so guys, I got to say, I'm excited. And this is our technician over here, Dan, who kind of produces this uh, podcast. I shouldn't say kind of, he does. Uh, so Dan and, and my fellows here at the table, I've entered my first race, my first road race for 2024. Ooh. So I am particularly jazzed. It's in Eagle Canyon, Texas, outside the city of Decatur, named after Stephen Decatur. Okay. So I love Texas because it has all those crazy names like La- <laughs> LaGrange and Houston and Austin. They're all named after legendary people or figures. But anyway, Eagles Canyon uh, in uh, early March. Wow. I cannot wait. Yeah, there you go. So Norm's nice. blitz racing. I'm jazzed, man. I'm jazzed. So. Awesome. Good. Steve's hunting. Brett, what are you up to, man? I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, keep Didn't, my head, keep my head down. today, December 1st, called yeah. St. Nick's Day? Like like you can do a surprise gift. Oh, St. Nicholas? Uh, yeah, I think, I think you're think right. Is, yeah. So. That's only for you idolistic Catholics. Yeah, <laughs> I think there is. One. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. There is something to that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. read that in the New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good one, man. Good one. You got me. You're right, though. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up Common Sense Ohio. We hope you enjoyed your weekly dose. And if you didn't get enough, that's no big deal because you can get more next week. Or if you don't even get more as enough you need next week, you can go back to the backlog. And you can do that at the commonsenseohioshow.com website. And while you're there, you might as well like, subscribe, and share. What do I mean by share? I mean, like on social media, share. There's that little arrow that most people have somewhere on their Either the phone or the computer or the platform. It's it, it it's it's like a little curved arrow. It says share. 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 Share that share. or the uh share or the lot. symbol that shares it with your buddy. And and they can then like and subscribe. And then we can grow. There's gonna be lots of opportunities coming for sponsorship. We have that available now, but also a uh, just a, just support. And we don't need a lot. Maybe a buck from a million people every month <laughs> would be fine. Sure. Um, you know, what's a dollar to you folks? But a million of them to us is everything. Uh, we can keep bringing you the, your dose of common sense as you have come to expect. We are coming at you right from the middle, at least until now.